On this week's episode, we take a deep dive into the Keddie Cabin murders and review the horrifyingly bad movie based on them. So lock up your cabin and come on down to the pod shed. We're doing beer bongs and talking about murder. Hello, welcome to another episode of THC, True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host, Mariah. This is your other host, Bailey. Hey. And if by some miracle you listened to episode one and then came back and listened to episode two, bless your heart. We appreciate it. And let's be best friends. Let's be best friends. You can come drink wine with us. Um, Just don't kill us. But we do know that there were some audio issues in episode one. We are do-it-yourself podcasters. We are doing our goddamn best. And hopefully the audio is better this this week. And hopefully things continue to improve as we get better at this podcasting deal. Um, so this week we are doing the Keddie Cabin Murders. And what movie did you choose based on? Because there's a couple. What movie did you watch? I went immediately for Cabin 28. Yes. And then you also watched The Strangers, right? I did, which I had seen in the past, and I remembered really liking it, but that's why I wanted to try a new movie, and I'm really glad that I did. Well, I'm excited because I have not seen Cabin 28. I don't know if anyone has. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm also excited because something I learned from listening to last week's episode and really It's a metaphor for our friendship, our relationship. I feel like I didn't do enough about the true crime case. Mm. And then I felt like we went extra hard on Scream because we both love Scream so much. We were so so excited about it, for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. And even if you look at... I'll post a picture of our notes, you guys. Even if you look at our notes, it's... This is (laughs) me and B. Bailey's notes, perfect condition. Printed out in a little folder that you would turn an essay in. Gorgeous. Just detailed homework she gets all the gold stars i used the chiller font my shit (laughs) has been folded up crinkled there's new notes written on it scribbles the only reason it's printed out is because bailey printed it out for me (laughs) at her work so uh that's kind of who we are as people yeah that's why our friendship works of course and so i'm gonna try to balance bailey's very thorough homework process and I'm going to be better at homework too so we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive on the Keddie Cabin murders this week I'm pretty excited about it me too Um, that picture you posted was everything that is the Cabin 28 yeah I'd stay there so first of all let's do a cheers yes before we get into it love it cheers let's do another one another one Mm mm-hmm you're going to hear as I talk the spark up a joint, which don't, don't mind me once again is legal in our beautiful state of California, which I'm never leaving. So Keddie, California is in Northern California. Heck yeah. And before we get into it, there's something I've been keeping from Bailey. Ooh. So last week, B and I both spent time at a place called Lake Almanor, but at different times. So my family and I went up, we camped for three days, and like the next day, B and her family left and went to their family cabin at Lake Almanor. Mm-hmm. Now, I already knew that we were going to do the Keddy Cabin murders, and when I came home from camping, I jumped right on to, to my little homework, did my little research. Now, Lake Almanor is in Plumas County. Yes. Guess where Keddy, California is? Ooh. Loomis County. Okay. So we were both in the county <coughs> where our case takes place this week. It could be the AC, but I have chills. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing. And I almost wanted, first of all, I knew you want to answer your phone because you don't answer your phone when you're anyways. not on vacation. Yeah, anyways. So, well, there's no way you should answer a phone on a long weekend. But it would I would have loved if I could have gotten a picture of you at the Plumas County sign. Seriously. Oh, my gosh. But here's the good news. We, we go to Lake Almanor quite a bit. So because it's only an hour and a half from our home and it's gorgeous. So, you know, maybe next time we'll have to get some shots next to the Plumas County sign. Field trip. Right. I can't get Bailey to go across town to Target. But, yeah, we're going to take a field trip to take a picture next to the Plumas County sign. Well, was there a murder at Target? Because I might go. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I've almost murdered some people at Target. Maybe Amen. that was Walmart. Amen. Okay, 
so let's get into it. So Keddy, California is a small rundown ski resort town in the Sierra Nevada mountain range right here in our beautiful California. Um, and when I say it's small, this takes place in the 80s. And back then it was around a thousand people for yep. population. Now it's down to like 60 something. Damn. Yeah. So it is a small, small town. That's crazy. November 1980. 36-year-old mm -hmm. Glenna Sharp. She goes by Sue. And from now on, I'm only going to refer to her as Sue. Uh, splits from her husband in Connecticut. And she moves herself and her five kids to Keddy, California. Now, this is early 80s. It's really hard to be a single mom. Um, oh, yeah. My husband was raised by a single mom in that same time in the early, in the late 70s, early 80s. And, like, he remembers men being interested in his mom. And then as soon as they find out that she had a kid and she was a single mom, They're they out. would just drop her. Yeah. So I it can't was, even imagine. It was rough going for single moms. It still is rough going for single moms, but it was especially rough going back then. Of course. So the reason she chose Cuddy, California was because it was right near where her brother lived. So she would know somebody. Yeah. So, you know, they settle in. They make friends with other families who rent cabins. The Shark family rents cabin number... 28. 28 at the Keddy Ski Resort. And yeah, they make friends with the other families that live there. And now April 11th, 1981, Sue's at home with her two youngest sons, Rick, who's 10, and Greg, who's five. And also uh, the kid's friend, Justin Smart, is spending the night. I believe he's around Rick's age. He's around 10. Mm -hmm. Tina, Sue's youngest daughter, who's 12, comes home around 10. She was watching TV next door. And then finally, um, her oldest child, John, who's 15, comes home with his friend, Dana. And they're not sure what time, but they know it's after 10 because it's after Tina gets home. Mm -hmm. So that's who's home that night. Sue, four of her kids, and one friend who's two friends who are spending the night. Right. Next morning, Sue's oldest daughter, Sheila, who's 14, comes home after a sleepover at her friend's house. The cabin is dark. All the lights are out, the curtains are drawn, and the phone is left off the hook. And when Sheila walks into the living room and turns on the light, she finds her mom, Sue, her big brother, John, and his friend, Dana, all murdered on the living room floor. Jesus. So Sheila does a quick inspection of the cabin and what? finds... Well, because she has siblings. Oh, God, that's right. Okay. So she finds her two little brothers and their friend, Justin, alive, unharmed, mm. and claiming to have no idea what's going on. Yep. Um, in in her little brother's room, which is a good thing. Obviously. And Sheila has the wherewithal to go get the neighbor and have the neighbor help her get the boys out through their bedroom window Incredible. so they don't have to walk out through the living room. Wow. Now, let's give a shout out to Sheila because she really tugs at my heartstrings. I'm an older sister. Um, and just, man, thank God for older sisters. Older sisters get shit done. They help raise their siblings and I just think they're the best. I'm raising an older sister, meaning I have three kids. My oldest is a girl. She's an incredible older sister to her siblings. And I just, something about big sisters, like making the tough decisions and getting shit done just really, really warms my cold heart. I'm an only child and I would be a hot fucking mess. <laughs> I'd be a goddamn disaster. I would crawl into the fetal position on the floor next to the dead body. Well, Sheila's a big sister and she's handling her yeah, shit. Doing it. So she gets the three boys out the bedroom window, but unfortunately her little sister, Tina, who's 12, is missing. She is nowhere to be found. Um, police get called, they show up, and they report that there is blood everywhere. Mm. Door, ceilings, walls, furniture, bedding, and even on the back steps leading out of the cabin. Um, they find all three victims have their wrists and ankles bound with medical tape and appliance wire. Medical tape. Okay. Yes. And further examinations of the body from the coroner. Cor coroner. Coroner. Hey, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Reveal that all three have suffered from blunt force trauma to the head, and they suspect it's from two different types of hammers. They've all been stabbed. Dana has been strangled by hand, but Sue and John have had their throats slit. And uh, John and Dana have been left as is on the floor, just kind of slumped over, um, 
how they fell. Mm-hmm. But Sue was repositioned. She's lying on her side, naked from the waist down. She's gagged with a blue bandana in her own underwear. Damn, that's dirty. To me, that makes it feel really personal. Absolutely. It makes it feel like to me that somebody was really going out of their way to try to embarrass her or uh-huh, humiliate her even uh-huh. after death. Absolutely. I didn't read whether or not there was any signs of um, sexual assault, but I'm pretty sure there was not. Okay. So the police also feel like they're looking for more than one suspect because for one person to take down three people, two of whom are like grown teenage boys. Obviously, yeah. You would need three people to, or two people to get that done. Yeah, at the, at the least. Mm-hmm. So they're looking for two suspects. The cabin has no signs of forced entry and there's no signs of robbery. Mm-hmm. They do, however, find a bloody knife in the kitchen and uh, they look around the area and they find a bloody hammer in a dumpster by the general store. So somebody dumped it out there. They found it. Yeah. And they also find an unidentifiable handprint on the railing on the back steps of the cabin. An unidentifiable Which handprint. Which just means that nobody's, whoever, whoever has that handprint hasn't, hasn't been, been in, in the legal system. trouble yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. What I, what you might not know, though, B, because you're not a true crime aficionado like uh, the rest of us are, right. is this is pre-DNA testing days. So even though they have all this evidence, they don't have the capability to do anything with it. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, this murder would probably be solved pretty quickly. But back then, they just didn't have it. Absolutely. I looked it up because I was curious. The first time DNA testing was used in a crime scene investigation was England, 1985. Wow. So. Okay. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have even thought of that. All right. So. They don't have any evidence. They can't solve it. But Justin Smart, the friend who was staying over, mm-hmm. claims to have had a dream about what happened. Mm-hmm. So he gets put under hypnosis. And under hypnosis, he admits that actually he saw it happen real time. Yeah. And here's what he says happened. He claims that two men, one with short hair and a mustache, and one with long hair and is clean shaven, uh, came over to the house, and uh, then John and Dana came home sh- shortly after mm-hmm. and started an argument with the two men, and it turned violent. Mm. Justin says that one of the men took 12-year-old Tina out the back door and then came back, and the two men proceeded to murder our three right. victims. Um, and composite sketches were made, but nothing comes of it. And even this, to me, feels a little off. It feels like something a kid would make up, and I'm not saying Justin would make it up, but just their descriptions, like, oh, one has long hair and no mustache, and the other one has short hair and has a mustache. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm not saying it's not true, but it feels a little bit like something a kid would kind of say. Yeah, I got you. Anyways, the investigation goes nowhere. This is, like I said, a small town. It would be so hard. In a small county. Yeah. It's actually. Limited resources. Limited police force. They don't have a murder detective. Right. So it's handled by the Plumas County Sheriff Department. Um, and Sheriff Doug Thomas tells the Sacramento Bee that it's the lack of motive that's the problem. Mm. He says, the strangest thing is that there is no apparent, apparent motive. Any case without an apparent motive is the toughest to solve. So they're having a hard time. But they do have two early suspects. And that is Martin Smart, who is friend Justin's dad. Ooh. And his friend, Bo... Do I even try? Who cares? Listen, even if Bo didn't kill anybody, he I have a feeling he's still a piece of shit. So yeah, we'll just I, call him Bobo. I feel really bad if I can't pronounce victims' names, but, but this guy, yeah. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the T is, the reason that they think Martin is might have done it is because these people are all friends. It's a small community. They all know each they other. They were swinging. Well, listen. Okay. You're getting ahead of yourself. I, I just get excited. You're getting ahead of yourself. I'm not saying it's you're the wine. I'm not saying you're it's wrong. I'm saying that you're getting ahead of yourself. So what we know for sure is that Marilyn uh, Sue is trying to convince Marilyn, who's Martin's wife, okay. to leave Martin, or she's trying to counsel her on how to do it. Okay. Because the rumor is that Martin is an abusive piece of shit. Yeah. And that's why Sue left her husband. Mm-hmm. So she's trying to help Marilyn out, get her through this, whatever. 
Now, this, of course, sparks rumors for people like Bailey <laughs> that Sue and Martin are actually having an affair. I can't help myself. I love a juicy affair. Yes. Well, this one is never proven to be true. So that's just rumors. Um, but also, Martin and Bo were seen the night before the murders at the bar acting very suspicious. Mm-hmm. And during questioning, Martin tells police that he has a hammer that matches the description of the one they're looking <laughs> oh God, for. But you know what? It just went missing a few days totally. ago. Totally. Totally. Can't find it anywhere. Yeah. Um, and Marilyn leaves Martin the day after the murder. So the day that the bodies are found. She's out. Marilyn separates from yeah. Martin. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why would you do that now? Yeah. After the murders happen. Right. Because totally unrelated. Mm-hmm. Now our sheriff, Doug, uh, claims that Martin passes a lie detector test. But nowadays we know that lie detector tests kind of don't mean shit. And that's now. That's now. But I know back then that they held more accountability for lie detector tests. But what I'm saying is nowadays we've proven that lie detector tests are not reliable. Right. That's why you can't use them as evidence in a, in a court case. Okay. And if that's not true, I don't care. Mm-hmm. If you're a lawyer, let me know. I'm sure a lawyer's not listening to this. Right. I'm sure it's my mom Comment and two people. Comment down below. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure... Nobody cares. Um, but anyways, so lie detectors, you know, whatever. Yeah. Also, guess what? Sheriff Doug is really good friends with Martin Smart. Yeah, obviously. So the police at this point have fucked up Com- this case. Yeah, they're unreliable. And it, the question is, did they fuck it up because it's a small town and they've never seen anything like this? Or did they fuck it up because the sheriff is BFFs with the main suspect? Yeah. Anyways, um, so not much happens for three years, and then in three ni- years, and oh, it gets worse. Oh, jeez. So then in 1984, bone fragments are found 30 miles away in what do you think is 30 miles away from Plumas County? Butte County. That's right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Butte County, which is where Bailey and I currently live. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I'm so smart. They found bone fra- I mean, I wouldn't have known that either. Yeah. They found bone fragments in Butte County. Of course they did. And unfortunately, they're determined to be that of 12-year-old Tina Sharp. Yeah. So now we know what happened to poor Tina. God rest but her why? soul. why? Why take her? Yeah. Nobody knows that answer. And um, I'm going to give you a spoiler right now. This is still an unsolved case. Mm. So we'll probably never... I don't know if we'll ever have that answer. But poor Tina. Yeah. Just my heart... I'm so sorry that that happened to you, Tina. Um, so that's where the case stands for years. Um, however, in 2008, Marilyn Smart, remember Martin's ex-wife? Mm, yeah. She gets interviewed for a documentary about this case, and she actually is adamant about the fact that Martin and Bo are guilty, and that they're guilty for all the reasons I just named. Right. Basically, that Martin was the trying to reasons. get her, or Sue was trying to get Marilyn to leave Martin. So 2013, boom, we reopened the case. Okay. Boom, we have a new lead investigator, Mike Gameberg, and he is not fucking around. Bring it, Mike. Bring that, Gameberg. So <laughs> here's the new evidence we have. The other hammer is found by a man with a metal detector, and it is currently being processed for DNA. Currently. This article was from, like, I want to say 2016. Mm-hmm. So it, it might have had results. Like I said earlier, I'm not good enough at homework to know the answer. Um, Now, this is crazy. So, at the bottom of the evidence box, here's what Mike finds. A tape of a 911 call that dates back to 1984, and more specifically, it dates back to the week in between the time they found Tina's remains and when they, before they knew that it was Tina, right? Shut up. The tape is of a man calling in, telling them that the bone fragments they found belong to Tina Sharp. And this tape is never followed up on. It's buried in the bottom of evidence box, not to be seen again until 2013. That's insane. Yep. And then finally, ready for this insane piece of uh, evidence? No. There's a note written by Martin after the murders that he didn't, I don't think he gave it to his wife until before his death, 
which she would have been his ex-wife by then. Yeah. Um, I'm not actually sure about that. I might be making things up. But the point is. Should have been. It was written after the murders. And in the, he writes a bunch of stuff. But what stands out to investigators, he writes, I've paid the price for your love. And now that I've bought it with four lives, you tell me we are through. Great. What else do you want? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Read that again. It says, I've paid the price for your love, and now that I've bought it with four lives, you tell me we are through. Great. What else do you want? It sounds like he killed them for her. Well, yeah, because he's trying to... Like, prove In his mind... No, he's trying to keep Sue from convincing Marilyn to leave him. Gotcha. He's trying... He sees Sue as a problem or a threat to his marriage. So he's trying to alleviate the problem. And I think the other people, allegedly, if he committed the murders... Right. Were just because they were witnesses. Yeah. And the reason... The reason the two younger boys didn't get killed was because... babies. No, because he took Tina, who's 12... Allegedly. Right. Tina, who's 12. No, it's because they were there with his son. Those are his son's friends. And they were all together in the room. So he... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Investigator Mike is baffled at how badly this investigation was handled. He tells the Sacramento <laughs> Bee <laughs> that, quote, it's not what was done, but what wasn't done. As in, like, not killing the boys. No, as in, like, all the evidence oh, they okay. didn't follow up. Gotcha. All the, all the shit they could have done differently that they didn't do. Right. Like their job. <laughs> like their job. <laughs> so this case is still unsolved. Wow. This is an open-ended case, but um, let's end it with something. I don't know if it's positive, but let's make it more about the victim and less about the piece of shit who annihilated half a family. Okay. So I found this great interview on People.com from 2016. It's an interview with Sheila Sharp. People. I don't know. Com, yeah, I don't yeah. know what her last name is now. Mm-hmm. Um, she is married. She's a mother. She's a grandmother. And she says that her and her two younger brothers did end up in foster care afterwards. But she says that taking care of them and protecting them from all of this bullshit. She didn't say bullshit. I said bullshit. I'm paraphrasing is what kept her going every day. That was her motivation to keep going. Because once again, Big Sister's Strong fucking rock. Bitch, yeah. And she wrote a book in 2012 titled How to Survive Your Visit on Earth. So if you guys want to support Sheila, go get that book. I'll probably buy it. Right? I want to read it. And in the book, she wrote the following about her mom, Sue. My mom's character has been subject to all manner of cruel supposition, including accusations <gasps> that she was a drug addict a drug dealer, a prostitute, or at the very least, an unfit mother. For the record, she was none of these things. She was a kind and loving mother who was doing her very best to raise five children alone. She was dutiful in her attention to each of us. And while we lived in relative poverty, we also lived in a home of love. My mother's kindness and grace also extended beyond her own family, which may have ultimately led to her downfall. Wow. So that's a quote from Sue. Oh Sue, my gosh. I know you'll never hear this, but you're a bad bitch. What a blessing. And we salute you, and your mom did a great fucking job raising you, clearly, we can tell. Clearly, Oh, my goodness. So that's the unsolved case of the Ketty Cabin 28 murders. Could not be happier with my choice of watching Cabin 28, the movie. Versus the, st- well, you watched both. I but, did, yeah. but I mean, like, really focused on Cabin 28. How close was it to the actual case? Really. Really close? Really, like, spot on, like... Okay, so first of all, guys, when I... I don't look up the the screen... Okay, I know we're only on episode two. The first episode doesn't count. I know everything about Scream and Inside and Out. This movie I've never seen before. This episode, I feel like, is a little bit truer to what our idea for the podcast was. Yeah. Um, I've never seen this movie, but I had to double-check... That it was the correct movie to tell Bailey about. Just wanted to make sure this is the right one. And when I looked it up, it's all one-star reviews. It's all terrible, terrible reviews. And that's why I loved it. So when you hear Bailey rant and rave about how great this movie is, please know. <laughs> Bailey loves terrible movies. The worst. 
the cheesier the better the better she loves them so you got to take her opinion with a bit of a grain of salt but you know that's why it's great because i kind of would love to hear a positive spin on cabin 28 because i'm sure everyone else in the world you ask about it are going to tell you it's a fucking garbage movie so immediately i was concerned because i didn't recognize anybody in the movie i at least like to know one or two of the actors <laughs> there's nobody huh? no no clue but not even b-listers no Mm-mm. and at the beginning it does have a disclaimer which i kind of abbreviated but basically it's like the following film is inspired by true events however all the events persons and the locations depicted are exaggerated for entertainment the story, names, and incidents portrayed are entirely fictitious. They fucking copied this goddamn real-life murder, like, point for point. It's really? so dead on. Oh, <laughs> just, my God. They just tweaked it here and there. I swear, I didn't note the names because I wasn't paying that much attention to, like, the actual character names. But I swear, the mom's name was Sue. Oh, my God. The son's best friend was Dana. Yeah. Yeah, like everything. And I it's so funny because if you see the picture for this movie that like pops up when you Google it, it's like, it almost is like Leatherface. It's like some dude in a, like a mask or like a, yeah. like a, like a burlap like sack, a sack with his eyes cut out. Yes. So I automatically went, oh, they just made a crazy slasher film and they didn't pay attention to the case no, at all. No, D-T-O. Whoa. Yes. I'm going to watch it, guys. I'm so excited. <laughs> so um, it opens up. And they do. They give, like, the date and the time. So it opens up on April 11th, 1981. Mm. And we're at the cabin. I would not call it a ski resort. It's definitely more of, like, a remote location. Um, but it's the family of five. You see the single mother, two young boys. I wouldn't say they were as old as you, as you were saying in the original case. I'd put them closer to, like, six, seven. They seemed younger. Well, one was 10 and one was 5. And in the movie, they're like twins. They're both 5. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're playing, and she's got the oldest boy, who I'd say is like 16. Yep. And then the youngest daughter, who I'd say is also like around like 15, 16. Mm-hmm. And then the oldest of the family is the oldest daughter, who's about to be 18. So they tweak the kids in ages, oh, and birth we, order a and little that bit. that plays into their story. Okay. Because they try to, like, give us a little background, I think. So they're taking a picture on the front porch of the cabin. You get the feel that they're new to the area, that they're kind of settling into their environment. And then the neighbor wife comes over with her son. They have a play date planned for the boys to get together and have a sleepover. Mm-hmm. And the two moms are inside, and they're having tea, and they're just, you know like civil like having a nice conversation very friendly mm-hmm. and her piece of shit husband rolls mm. up with his friend Bo <gasps> shut up <laughs> I can't believe I this know. I know <laughs> uh, and he you see the youngest daughter she's like kind of cleaning up the front porch she like flushes mm. like gets hot like hot in her pants <laughs> <laughs> hot in her pants (laughs) and he basically tells her like what happened is not gonna happen again Mm. I'm not gonna disrespect my wife like this like I'm a married man and she's in there and you need to keep your mouth shut so the one part where they differ is they really turn up the volume on that whole rumor right let's take this off the mom and we're gonna put this on the daughter who later gets taken Mm mhm Oh, so the oldest one gets taken. No, this isn't the oldest daughter. This, oh, this is, is the younger daughter? Mm-hmm. <gasps> this is like the 15, 16-year-old. Bro. Mm-hmm. All right, keep going. Yeah. So he goes in and has a little spat with his wife. They leave. Family goes about with their day. They have their family dinner planned. Son doesn't, the oldest son, doesn't show up for dinner. And mom just like, oh, boys are be boys, you know, whatever. No big deal. I'll talk to him about it in the morning. Mm-hmm. And the oldest daughter did have plans, had talked to her mom about it. She was going to go spend the night at a friend's house, and she was going to take the car Mm -hmm. while that happens. So the mom's putting the boys to bed. She's letting the younger daughter kind of watch TV, do her own thing. She kind of goes into her room after putting the kids to bed and, like, 
tries to cry herself to sleep, just Aww. exhausted, yeah. single mom, just doing everything she can, mm-hmm. but clearly just trying to keep her own shit together. Mm-hmm. And there's a knock at the door. And let me see through my notes. I want to say this is probably around like eight o'clock, eight o'clock at night. Okay, so it's not too late. It's not too late, right? We just put the younger kids to bed. All Everybody else is still awake. Mom's just kind of freaking out. So it's a man claiming to be a hitchhiker and he needs some assistance and she's just kind of immediately unsettled just by his voice so she's like trying to tell him like well you can go to another cabin or there's a bar a couple miles down the road see if you can get help there and he's like oh that's fine we'll do that we mm-hmm. and she's like excuse me and he's like I mean I'll do that <laughs> if you can just give my friend a call mm-hmm. and she's like thinking about it she's like okay sure but lies doesn't actually call just kind of tells him what he wants to hear man once again on things that uh, we would do differently would you have you you might have answered the door I for sure would have never answered that door right but it, well, so we can't see him. Like, they're talking through the door. Right. But still, either way, she's entertaining the whole mm-hmm. conversation. Um, and to be honest, I would have, like, called the friend. I know. <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, it, sure. No. would have been like, come on yeah, in. No. We'll call the friend. Do you need a ride? I mean, I can call you a, well, I was going to say an Uber. I guess back then it would have been a cab. You want some cocoa? <laughs> Warm yourself by the fire, bro. Hey, maybe you wouldn't have been murdered. Maybe, maybe he would have been so charmed by... <laughs> Your hospitality. You're like, oh, I can't kill her now. So she pretends to make the call or whatever. She's like, all right, he's going to meet you at the bar. It's like, all right, appreciate it. Walks away. Mm-hmm. She's rattled. Mom comes out. What was that all about? She's like, mom, it was really weird. Mom's like, fine. Let's make some cocoa. I'll stay up. We'll kind of talk about it. And as they're talking, things get deep. And the daughter asks the mom why they had to move and why their sister had why the oldest sister had to leave for a certain amount of time and the mom's like so the oldest daughter got pregnant Mm. but didn't want to keep the baby and didn't really like want people to know about it Mm -hmm. so they sent her away and they moved to this cabin so that kind of starts their life over mm-hmm. okay. exactly and the sister's like well why wouldn't you tell me and she's like look I just I don't want you guys to make the same mistakes I did and then the daughter takes it bad and it's like it's not that you guys are a mistake but mm-hmm. this shit's fucking hard yeah right like I'm doing everything I can right. so they have like a moment again the mom goes to bed the daughter's trying to work it out stays up now we're getting to be around 12 30. Mm-hmm. knock at the door <sighs> here's the anxiety it's not even real right exactly and homeboy's back he's like you didn't call <gasps> and she's like what are you talking about like i did and he's like well, no i know you didn't call i cut the phone lines this motherfucker right <laughs> <laughs> that makes me so scared <laughs> Right? And I'm just describing it to you. Like, it's a good fucking movie. <laughs> You're right. I'll watch it. I'll totally watch it. Yeah. And so, you know, she freaks out. Mom comes out like a badass, like pushes daughter aside. Like, I'm going to fucking open this door. Come at me, bro. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Yeah. Because instead, they're already inside. Oh, my God. And they come up behind mom. Oh, my God. They got mom by the neck. <sighs> There's a struggle, and eventually she's able to fight her way off. They get into the boys' room where the boys are sleeping, Mm -hmm. right? So they're up. Like, they know what's going on. They're all hiding. You hear pounding at the door, and we cut outside. Here comes the oldest brother, drunk with his best friend, uh, you mean here enters me and B if this was a movie about right, our lives? Right. Perfect. Yeah, sneaking back home. Yeah. Yeah. It's me and B in high school, guys. And this is the part that kind of made me curious. It's almost like they put a basement in the cabin. Wow. <laughs> because 
they climb through a window and it seems like they're downstairs because they have like they can't hear shit they don't know what's going on well they're drunk i guess but still like they're definitely on another level of cabin i know they're they're definitely not upstairs <laughs> wait this is a great time to mention besides the coincidence that it happens in plumas county we are both in plumas county remains are found in butte county we live in butte county guys when bailey was watching and doing her research for this she was in a cabin. Yeah. Watching Cabin 28. I was. How? And it was a multiple story cabin. <laughs> it was, but not like not what you're like describing. This. No, That's not at all. That's more of a loft situation. For sure. Okay, sorry. So, I just had to put that in there because I forgot to mention it. Of course. No, so these assholes stumble in the house and the brother's like, bro, you got to chill. Like, I don't want my mom to find out. Like, we got to be quiet. He's like, but I got to pee. Homeboy's like, back out the window. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Go outside. Or just arch it out the window. Yeah, so he just sent his best friend to die. Oh, no. This is our first Dina. kill. This is our first kill. Oh. Mm-hmm. He gets it. Strangled. Oh, he has to pee. That'd be me for sure. Yep, strangled. Mm-hmm. And... Ooh, they even kept the murder the same. He was strangled like Dana in the real case. Right. But yeah, just totally fictitious. Right, in the disclaimer. <laughs> I know, and that disclaimer really went overboard it's on how above much above and beyond. There's so, movies yes. that are way less accurate, and they're like, "Oh, it's totally based on true story," <clears throat> and it's not even close. Right. So obviously, it's taking a really long time, and I forget what happens. I guess I think there's another struggle upstairs where the mom is trying to fight off the intruders, and music comes on, and the older brother downstairs assumes it's his drunk friend is like fuck so he goes outside to oh go no. into the cabin mm-hmm. to find out what's going on at this point the mom the daughter the boys the young boys are all locked in the bedroom she has a baseball bat okay she basically wants to use her daughter as bait like stand back I'm gonna open the door have them like lunge at you and I'm going to hit him with the bat. That feels a little unrealistic. Well, doesn't really work out anyways because she ends up smashing her fucking son's face Come in. Come on, dude. Fucking right in the middle of his skull. Oh, my God. Yeah. Knocks him out cold. Yeah, because that feels... I think about people breaking into my house all the time. And it must be all the true crime I listen to. But... It's the biggest fear. I mean, once you have kids, that's your biggest fear. Forget what happens to me. My biggest fear is what could happen to my kids. So it gets so much worse for poor mom. I know. But what I'm saying is I would never send one of my children out as bait. I know. I I get it. It's a Hollywood movie. That feels a little crazy. Yeah. So at this point now, they're in the living room with the killer. Well, one of them. Um, at this point, I believe we've seen two, and she's basically trying to figure out how to help her daughter fight off the killer while dragging her unconscious son into the room with the other three babies. Jesus Christ. Right? Like, this fucking mom. It's just a nightmare. Mm Mm-hmm. So, she eventually gets her son locked into the bedroom with the boys and herself her daughter's left out there to fend for herself she does get the opportunity to defend herself the there's a killer in a clown mask oh there's one in really a burla- spicing it up well there's a burlap mask burlap man mm-hmm. a clown clown man and he's toying with her like do it bitch <sighs> like fucking pick up the bat pick yeah. up the knife stab me you don't have it in you toying with her she does pretty good she she plays it off like i don't have it in me ends up getting close to him and is able to get the bat into his gas bit so she can the bat or the knife i think it was the bat Mm. well a for effort oh for sure knife would have been better no at this point she's just trying to get the fuck out the house yeah i hear you right which she does get out of the house and i think it's funny that it's her the one that lied like didn't help the hitchhiker and now she's running cabin to cabin pounding on doors screaming asking for help and no one's helping her that's crazy no one also they must have heard um i kept this out in my story because it just felt like a little long but 
There were reports that neighbors heard screaming. You would have to. And nobody reported or did anything about it. And that's kind of like this movie where it's like, she's no, pounding she's on people's literally doors. You know people are home and they're like, mm, not my problem. Yeah, 100%. And then, kind of like the whole Nev Campbell situation, let's run down the middle of the street. Right. Okay. <laughs> where she does find a car that almost hits her, but instead pulls over. She thinks she's safe. She's stoked, so excited. And the guy is creepy as fuck. Oh, Bearded, shit. long hair, mm-hmm. greasy. Sleazy. And he's like, yeah, we'll get you downtown. We'll get you taken care of. And um, we'll have them go check everything out at Cabin 28. And she's like, how the fuck <gasps> do you know? Ooh. So then we cut back to the cabin. We've got the youngest daughter the oldest brother and mom tied up around the dinner table okay we got three masked killers there's a female Mm. what i mean we're led to believe it's a female it's a smaller figure that outfits white the Mm -hmm. mask is white it's got like a bob cut the other two are definitely bigger. So we're assuming it's a female. Yeah. And we have the mystery car man out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And no one's talking. And it's basically like pick a kid. And they go for the son first. Hammer. Knife. They use the hammer and the knife. Mm-hmm. Blood Jesus. all over the mom. Oh, my God. All over the table. All over the kitchen. So this is a crazy movie. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. And then they go for the daughter next, but she screams out, no, I'm pregnant. Oh. And they stop. And the boy, the the son that's sleeping over, is standing in the kitchen. And he's watching. And all the masked people just kind of stop what they're doing. And the one in the clown mask walks up to the little boy and just kind of goes, shh. Oh my God. A fucking clown <sighs> walks up to you in your mid sleep state and goes, shh, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that's just normal. Like, you're As just. Everybody's tied up around the dinner table. That's just cool. You're, and his masked buddies are over. You're not going to lose your shit. I don't know. Maybe you're in such a state of shock. So he just, the little boy turns around, goes back to bed. Mm-hmm. You see them kill. The mom, mm-hmm. same thing, hammer, knife, the whole to-do. They take the daughter. I want to say her name was fucking Tina. I swear to God, right? I mean, I might swear, as well right, be. I, Everything I, else is I on point. I swear to God. And we see them put her in the trunk of a car. So they take her. Mm-hmm. And then you see the oldest daughter come home the next day, fucking happy as can be. Like, she got some dick. Or something oh. like she was out, oh like she's fucking happy. She's like, "Yeah, last <laughs> night was fucking great." <laughs> oh no! I know. I felt so bad for her. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Walks in, sees the bloodbath. Accurate to the story, does the same thing immediately. Goes for the kids. Yeah. And then we've got the interviews. And the interviews were really interesting because there's like a good cop, bad cop situation going on. Mm-hmm. There's a younger, like deputy kind of vibe, and like the older sheriff. Mm-hmm. So the younger guy he interviews um, the stepdad, whatever the piece of shit dad first. It's like, so what's up with your friend Bo? Why is he in town? Like he's got a past with gangs. And he's just like, everybody has a past. And did I say that when I did mine that Bo's an ex-con? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if did. I said it or not, but I meant yeah. to say, I have it typed up in my notes. Yeah. Bo is an ex-con. Mm-hmm. Of course. No, it makes perfect sense. It's like, no, he's like known to be in gangs in the other towns. And you bring this fucking piece of shit into our town and you're just cool with it. And there are rumors that uh, the real life Martin and Bo were also drug dealers and mm-hmm. had... In Northern California, if they say gang affiliation, what they really mean is, like, MC affiliation. Like, up here, gangs don't rule things. Bike clubs rule, like, motorcycle clubs rule things. So that was the rumor was that Martin and Bo were drug dealers and that they had kind of, like, these MC connections. 
Again, I left that out. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just did. Okay? Well, fucking get it together next time. Okay? I'm sorry. God. <laughs> I did my best. The movie did so much better. The, <laughs> the movie producer, the writers, did so much more research than I did on the two. Oh, shit. Okay, keep going. I still have to uh, note my sources. Oh. Oh, my. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Anyways. Um, and it comes down to, yeah, I was at a bar that night. I came home. I was drunk. Wife was in bed. I went. I went to sleep. I didn't hear anything. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm missing a fucking hammer. I bet it was drunk kids. People miss hammers all the time. <laughs> like, all those hammers right, getting stolen. Totally. It was just like not like like what? Like no fucking big deal, dude. Like stop asking me. <laughs> and then they interview Bo. And Bo's kind of like, yeah, I remember being at a bar. I remember going to sleep, just kind of like and the sheriff is in that interview. Mm. And it's like you can tell that the deputy guy's like not comfortable pushing for like real answers, so the guy got away with it for sure. Mm -hmm. Young deputy cop goes back to the cabin. He's trying to like do his own thing and investigate. And the older sheriff shows up like you keep digging, you're not going to like what you find. Ooh, just like our sheriff does. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I get what you're doing. I'm not going to stop you, but I'm also not going to be the one to back you up. Oh, shit. So keep pushing buttons and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Right? And it fucking ends. The ending killed me. You're looking as if you're, like, standing in the cabin out through the porch watching the piece of shit stepdad and Bo with, like, pillowcases over their shoulder like hobos like walking down the street just like walking out of town <laughs> and that's how they fucking end the movie like we ran them out all right i'm like are you kidding me all right so you quote your sources let me review i have some questions that i noted and then also the way that they ended the movie they had some facts and i want to cross reference them with your facts okay we're almost a bottle of wine deep so it's gonna be tricky um, I got everything from a website called thelineup.com, uh, an article by Oren Gray, and another website, allthatinteresting.com, with an article by Ted Kammerer. So, <laughs> Kammerer. hey, big ups, Oren and Ted. <laughs> Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. That movie sounds crazy. I can't wait to watch it. I'm totally going to watch it now. Okay, so at the end... It's like no one was ever arrested or even close to being arrested. Remains were found miles away and later ID'd as the younger sister. A recording of the 911 call reporting the remains was lost by police under suspicious circumstances. No, they they really went for it. The two men interviewed by police have not been seen since and are presumed dead. And they are dead in real life. In 2004, the original Cabin 28 was torn down. Yep. And in 2016, the tip led the police to the hammer used in the killings. Um, And this is something I'm curious about. It says that the person who's investigating it now was actually friends with the two older boys. Like the ones coming home drunk. Mike Gainberg? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but guess what? Guess what I will do yeah. for this podcast? I want to follow up. Just for this podcast. Yeah. I will Google it, and I'll give you an update next episode. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because it says he's the one that's actively investigating it now. Okay, Mike. Friend, yeah, okay, right? Big Mike. Right? Hey. But yes, they did, te- they did tear down the cabin. And, yeah. And um, there's a ton of documentaries and stuff um, made for this. I did not watch any of them. I watched the first few minutes of um, BuzzFeed Investigates or BuzzFeed. I think it's BuzzFeed Unsolved. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't get through it because whatever. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to talk trash. I didn't watch the whole thing. But I did make it through the very beginning when they actually go to Ketty, California, and they see the rubble is still there. So they tore the cabin down. But the rubble is still there. Uh, I don't know if I said that, but yeah, in the movie it was Getty. <laughs> oh, it was Getty, not Ketty? Yes, all, some names may have been changed. <laughs> the only name we changed was the name of the town. Everybody else, we are naming names. Oh my god, I cannot. I'm so funny. Wow. So I'm are, impressed. Are we, like, really long and obnoxious, or do you want me to give you a real quickie on The Strangers? Give us a quickie. Listen, it's our podcast. 
we do what we want and it looks like i mean like i said i'm a little drunk but it looks like we're only at 49 minutes we're not even at an hour yet well then stick it in bitches yeah because so i've never seen cabin 28 but i have seen the strangers right i did like the strangers I didn't think it was as scary as I thought it was going to be. Correct. And also, it's nothing like the fucking Ketty Cabin murder. So how dare they (laughs) compare the two? So check it. I would now, watching The Strangers Back, not classify it as a horror movie. It's like a suspenseful thriller. That's how I always felt about it. I never thought it was a horror movie. I always thought it was more of like a suspense thing. And even though the kill count is super low in both, Right? Not a whole lot of people die. Cabin 28 was fucking brutal. Like, watching them smash her kid's head in and seeing the blood, like, splatter on her face. And the... That's a lot. Yeah, the use of the costumes. I just... I really felt the Cabin 28. So, you already felt it when you watched it. So, now here's my question. Having watched it and then me, like, personalize it for you. Did you feel it? Like, of if course. I go back and watch it, am I going to be like, oh, my God, this yes. is horrific. A hundred percent. Man. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Um, so the strangers, what I forgot is why they're at the cabin. Was it to work on their marriage? Kind of. They He proposed to her that oh. night and she said no. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> And so they go back to the cabin, and it's staged with the music and the fire. The most and the awkward candles uh, and the rose candles. Okay, let's do a sidebar. <laughs> let's do a sidebar. For my mother's uh, 45th birthday, my mom likes to do this thing. Every five years, we do a big birthday thing for mm-hmm. her. For her 45th birthday, her and I went... Um, I almost said skydiving. Nope. Hot air ballooning. The opposite of skydiving. You're going up, not down. We want hot air ballooning. Yeah. My stepdad's deathly afraid of heights. You couldn't pay him enough. I got roped in. It was great. It was fun. Hot air ballooning is amazing. Yeah, I've, I've been. I love it. Fantastic. So, you know, you first of all, you have to be there at the crack of dawn. Yes. Right? Oh, my God. So early. And you're watching all the balloons fill up with their air. Uh-huh. Which is amazing to it see. It is. Mm-hmm. So then there was a small air balloon. And there was just a... And then a couple shows up, and they're the ones that get in the air balloon. And I'm like... Oh, he's for sure going to propose not hot air balloon. Mm. And then all I could think about was he proposes. And she says she no. She says no. And they're stuck. They're in the middle of the air. Mm-hmm. And now it's the most awkward hot air balloon ride between That's them. And they're, is it a captain who, a pilot? A pilot. They're a hot air balloon for pilot. Sure. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine how awkward <laughs> the rest of the no, ride? And how expensive it is to have a private hot air balloon. Right. He's all, bitch, I paid so much. You're going to say no? I know. I know. I still think about it to this day. I'm like, that must be the most awkward. You don't know? If they said yes or no? No, because we were in our own hot air balloon. I don't care. I would have to find out. Well. I would, like, call around. I don't know about your hot air ballooning, but ours, you land in all different places. I know. So I never saw those people again. Damn. I need to know. (laughs) I know. Anyways. So she says no. Yeah. It's awkward. It's super awkward. They're at this cabin, and things are just off some bitch knocks at the door and is like, can Tamara come out and play? Ew. Right? And they're like, bitch, no. But it's like that. Is her name Tamara? Yeah. No. No one's named Tamara. Oh, okay. She no, just no, no. made that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like that awkward pause, like, you need to leave now. Like, no. Your friend's not here. Go. Mm-hmm. Close the door. And she looks normal? You don't really get to see her. But she's a grown-up? You, I mean... Yes, she's an adult, as in, like, she could be, like, in her 20s. I wouldn't say that she's, like, a teenager, but I wouldn't say that but she's, she's a grown-up. I mean. Yeah. So the fact that you're asking for Tamara to come out and play is right. weird already. Yeah, uh-huh. Like, even if you're like, oh, I don't have, I don't know anybody named Tamara, you're like, why are you asking like that? Right. No, super creepy. And she, re- the girlfriend inside is like out of cigarettes and the boyfriend's like I need any fucking excuse in the world to get out of here <laughs> oh my god this poor guy all right so he and goes, the girls live Tyler right correct mm-hmm. I don't know who the do you remember who the man is he's a notable actor but I <laughs> I don't know he's a notable actor <laughs> I don't know who he is <laughs> but he's notable right whatever <laughs> um and he Makes a call to his buddy 
like bro it did not work out the way that i had planned i need to get the fuck out of here like come get me he's just gonna leave her at the are they are they in a cabin or a house I remember it being like a house. It's like a bougie fucking cabin. It's a cabin only because it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's a house. But it's like an Airbnb. Yeah, it's a house in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to get the cigarettes or whatever the fuck he does. And while she's home alone, the bitch comes back to the door again. Like, oh, can Tamara come out? It's so scary. Yeah. I would be terrified. Yeah. But this is where it's all, it's like, it's just the bullshit ex- suspense of it all. And again... Know? Nothing like Kevin 28. And here's the thing, right? I care about a mom and kids. I don't give a fuck what happens to Liv Tyler. Especially, she just said no. Right? I give zero fucks. I'm just like waiting. I'm like, kill the bitch already. I'm bored. Like, (laughs) let's fucking do this. Yeah, I remember that movie, the air quote scariest part was them like creeping behind the the victims with their masks on. The exact scene that you're talking about is right after this. So she's in the cabin and she's lighting up a cigarette behind her in the hallway the dark ass hallway you see him emerge right with a mask on yes Mm -hmm. terrifying that's probably the one similarity the burlap burlap mask but that's the similarity to the movie is not what actually happened it's not i mean maybe they had masks on i don't know i wasn't there Mm mm-hmm if you want to believe Justin, it was a so she doesn't see it. Yeah, and then she ends up realizing that the fire alarm. Oh yeah, right. It had gone off. She had removed it. It was on the ground. It got moved. So she realizes someone's in the house with her. Oh my god! So it's she, my worst nightmare. Right. People. She goes into the bedroom and she's like hiding out. Because, you know, that's what I'd do. <laughs> I would, too, but um, listen, I don't want to put off any of our three listeners. I am a registered gun owner. I would be doing that, but I would have a gun in my hand. She's in a cabin. I don't know that she... That's true. They're in a different place. Yeah. They're not at home. I'm thinking at home. Yeah, no, like... Exactly. You're right. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking at home. So she's just kind of chilling. She calls homeboy like you. At need- least a knife. Would you have a knife in your hand? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, she calls homeboy like you need to get the fuck back here now. Like some weird shit's going down. He comes back. He's looking around. He doesn't really like see what's going on. But then he opens the door and like they see someone like standing in the middle of the street. <laughs> he's like, all right, they're fucking with us. Whatever. Anyways. It's basically a big cat and mouse game. Mm-hmm. All it is is these three people in masks, right? Mm-hmm. Fucking with these two people all night. And that is very scary in its own Right? They're not hurting them at all. They're like briefly touching them, like coming up behind them close enough oh that they, you can feel them, but without them actually touching you. Dude, or you see so them anxiety. out of the corner of your eye no, and then they're... Uh, Right, so that's why it's that suspense, right? But no one ever really gets like hurt. Hurt. Liv Tyler, to be fair, hurts herself a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the part that got to me though that I did think was pretty cool is typically in a horror movie, if you make it through the night, you live. True. Right. If you can make it to see the sunrise, True. like you're typically good. These motherfuckers make it to sunrise only to realize they're tied down to chairs <gasps> oh, no. staring at each other Ugh. they already hate each other and they're about to get killed do they get killed so they ask why why are you doing this and i think it's the girl in the mask and she responds because you were home oh shit simple as that now this brings us to a great point b um I, I'm sure we will f- we will talk about some of these cases later, but there have been multiple cases, by the way, that take place in Northern California, where people have killed, raped, or tortured people literally just because their door was just open. Just because they were home. Because yeah. they were doorknob mm-hmm. checking. No, not because they were home. Because their open. door was open. So they would go around doorknob checking and if it was locked, they would move on. If it was open, they would invite themselves in. This is several different serial killers who have done this. Yeah. And I can't wait to tell you all about them in the future. But this is why I'm such a crazy person about locking my door. 
and my husband thinks I'm a crazy, thinks I'm out of my mind, but whatever. I mean, you're crazy for other reasons, but. Wouldn't you rather there be a locked door between the outside world and our family? Yeah. That's how I feel. Well, the strangers sound like it has nothing to do with the Kenny Cabin murders. (laughs) I know. And then, so they for sure kill homeboy. Liv, on the other hand, Mormon boys find her. Mormon? Like going door to door? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Like passing out the little pamphlets? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Praise praise the Lord, whatever. <laughs> passing yeah. it. John, was it John? It wasn't John oh, Smith. I don't know who it was. Yeah. Either way. <laughs> and what's cool is she's still alive, and they cut the movie. Oh. So. So who knows what happens? Mm-hmm. What other movies have they? I feel like The Purge. Didn't they survive until the next day, and then they still got murk? They still got killed. I don't know. I have to rewatch that shit. I haven't seen the first one. I only saw it once. It was forever ago. Right, and when you watch a movie once and you're fucking high and drunk, listen, you expect me to recall. <laughs> I don't expect you to do anything, but I'm just trying to think of other horror movies where they've made it through the night and then still got killed. Well, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Yes, she made it through. Yes, until the next day, and then she gets picked up again. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the purge, they made it through the night and still died. in their house and then they die in the morning. Yeah, it's possible. And then the only thing I really think about when it comes to like daylight and horror movies is um, the first Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. She knows the mom is dead and she's on the boat. Yep. But Jason. Woo, he gets her. Yeah. And in the lake. Yeah, and pulls her. But she doesn't die. I'm pretty sure like in the next movie we find out she's in the hospital or some shit but either way just like <laughs> daylight and that happening to her and it's like is I, there a possibility that Friday the 13th is based off a true crime story so we could do it I don't this know podcast? but do you see my motherfucking t-shirt I can B first of all loves a themed outfit what did you have on last or our last episode what did you have on just the tip I promise just the tip I promise but that was a bloody butcher knife on the shirt mm-hmm. a little bloody on the tip if yep. you listen to her I promise this week she has on her Camp Crystal Lake Camp Counselor T-shirt. Yep, that sounds counselor on the back because yep. it's I figure like cabin woodsy. Listen, murder. I get it. Yeah. Yes, B is always dressed in theme. Maybe yep. this will be how. Hey, maybe at the end of each show we'll tell you about Bailey's outfit. I'm really put the pressure on you, Bailey, to bring the heat. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to bring something I'll, every week. I'll start bringing props. <laughs> She for oh, sure will. Shit. Y'all will not be able to see it because this is an audio podcast, but just know, I'll describe it to you. This is funny. So at the cabin, our friend, who is like 10 years younger. He's a baby. Right? I scared the shit out of him, and I got to wake him up one morning, and I was standing over his bed with a hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> and be, like, when you're 24, you sleep. Right? Especially after a night of drinking. Like, yes, I've had kids for so long, I don't remember what sleeping is. But still, like, a picture you sleep like a, hard. Picture a frat boy. I know, you sleep hard. Waking up the next morning. He, it took him, like, seconds before he really realized. Oh, bitch, you would have been dead. Right? Before he really pieced together and the look on his face was like, oh, fuck me. That's so funny. <laughs> and uh, just so you guys know, Bailey is deadly with a hatchet. We went to axe throwing um i don't know how to describe it you show up at a business and, and they have fucking axe like how you have yeah. bowling lanes mm-hmm. they have like axe throwing lanes you get a couple small axes a couple of big axes her and i went with our two husbands and our perpetual third wheel ben ben if you're listening to this we love you so Good. much that's not a derogatory term so um we went and guess who fucking killed it? First of all, Bailey killed all of us. Bailey did so much better than all of us. It's embarrassing. So she's number one, way up top. Nobody can reach her score. But who was in second place? Of course you. Me! Obviously. It wasn't a close second, but Doesn't it was matter. still second. Doesn't matter. We beat those boys. So zombie apocalypse, Bailey's weapon of choice is a, a, a hatchet. hatchet. Don't fuck with her. No. Don't play with her. Mm-mm. She'll stick a hatchet, a got, hatchet in your skull. It's got to be the heavy hatchet too. I like she a was, heavy hand. She was big with those big hatchets. Yeah, I like a big, Ooh. heavy, thick. That would. The weekend before, I was in Fort Bragg, California, at my brother-in-law's house, and we were shooting pellet guns. 
once again, obviously, I beat all the boys by a long shot. And so, listen, zombie apocalypse covered. Zombie apocalypse. I got the guns. Yeah, bees got the hatchets. Apparently, we got the bear bongs. Let's fucking do this. We got it. Yes. All right, we gotta stop. We do have to stop. So, um, if you want to follow us on social media. We are THC Podcast on Instagram. We are THC True on Twitter. And we have a Facebook page that I do not know how to run. But so, the other shit's really fucking good. The other shit's really good. The, the and Facebook, I don't do any of it, so thank you. You're welcome. The Facebook page is good, too. I just don't know what I'm doing. So I think that's True Hollywood Crime Podcast Facebook page. Good luck. I don't know. It's all my friends and family on there, so I don't know what to do about that. But if you're trying to recommend this to your friends to listen to, bless your heart. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And the way they can listen to it is Instagram. Link in bio. We'll take you to our website that I just designed this week. They can listen to it on there. That's THC Podcast on Instagram. And then on Twitter, I'll post a link. That will take you right to Podbean to listen to it. And then also we're on Stitcher. So if you That's have this so fucking cool. If if you have the Stitcher app, type us in. True Hollywood Crime Podcast. I don't even listen to podcasts and for some reason I have a fucking Stitcher app, so So you could find us. Yeah. Um so that's exciting. Thank you. If you listened all this way through, we appreciate it. You're the best. You're the best. We're the best. Obviously. Obviously. And uh, thank you so much. We'll see you next time.